morning. You want to open up to Titus. Okay, so we're going to read the last verse in chapter 2 and the first verse in chapter 3 of Titus. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. So I thought I'd just kind of tell you a story about something that happened in our house. Just I think it was a week and a half ago or so. That kind of is a good intro to this. The these two verses here. Um, so one of the Disney princesses like has a bow and arrow, or, and um, so. One of my kids was wanting to get a bow and arrow. So we went to Walmart and we were like testing out like, you know, can a little kid pull any of these back? You know, is this, are these all too, even the kids one, is it too hard? And we're talking through it and we're sitting at dinner and we're talking about it. And uh, one of my kids says, now, it would be good to get this bow and arrow, something like, I could take care of those squirrels in the back. And I, and I said, well, um, you can't actually just shoot squirrels anytime you want, anywhere you want. And um, one of my children said to me, um, now dad, where is that in the Bible? <laughs> and it's actually a really good question. You know, it's like, I was like I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, that is a wonderful question to ask. When you, and so uh, we talked about uh, this verse here, um, that we're to submit to rulers and authorities, and we talked about how you know, the government, one of the things they do is tell you when, how much you can and can't hunt and where and, and all these things. And so that's, the Bible doesn't say don't hunt squirrels in your backyard or whatever, but it does say submit to the rulers and authorities, and so we want to obey the government. And so we talked through it. But um, that's just kind of an introduction, I felt like, kind of hits, actually hits a lot of my main points today, <laughs> really, um, in a simplistic way. But let's just start with verse 15 here, which we are just he reminding of the larger context here. So he's writing to Titus, who's planning this church or helping with this church in Crete, and he's asking him to appoint elders. Um, and he, chapter 1 talks about good doctrine and obedience and what, how the gospel plays itself out in our church life. How does that look? How do we know doctrine and then obey it? And how does that work itself out in the picture of the church. And so then in chapter 2 we talked about individual lives, not just the church as it's structured and what we teach and, and how we live, but uh, our own individual lives and how we as older men, younger men, younger men, older women, younger women, how do we live out what God has done for us through the gospel, what Jesus has done, how that's the ground of our of our good behavior, not something we're earning, but because we have been saved through Christ, and we want to be like him, we want to serve him, and so we're living these things out by his power, and so we talked about that. But right here, it kind of reminds us, because we get so zoomed in, you know, on these individual verses, what is this, you know, we did several messages on just this literally a single word here, but this kind of verse reminds us, he's writing to Titus, who's, you know, a pastor here, and this verse says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So I was just thinking about this verse. How does this work in the church? How does this work out? You know, um, and 
it really hammers home for me something that we've talked about a lot, which is basically that we really need to stick close to the Bible. <laughs> because if I'm up here or anyone is up here giving their opinions or um, things like that, it's like there's you, you just can't obey this verse, right? You can't o- exhort and rebuke with all authority on things that aren't clear from the Bible. And it's kind of interesting that this is back-to-back with this, you know, this next section on, on government, how we relate to you know, uh, the lost world around us, how governments and also individuals that, that aren't Christians, and we're going to get into all that. But specifically here, as we come into this section where we're going to today, we're willing to talk about government, it's like, what do we do? You know, how do we present this? There's so many different ways that we could present this. Um, I have a, kind of an illustration here. Um, Wayne Grudem... Uh, he uh, he wrote a couple books. Uh, some light reading for you if you want to take these on, take these on. This one's about ethics, so it's like what is good, and then this one's about politics. How do we apply that to government? And you know, there's uh, close to two thousand pages right here, uh, and they're like textbooks. I think they're actually assigned as textbooks at seminaries. But anyways, um, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot we could say, but what are we going to say? And I would just uh, my uh, my assertion and my strong belief is that we've got to stick close to the Bible. If if I want this verse, chapter two, verse fifteen, to mean something, then we've got to just stick really close to the Bible. And I'll just paraphrase one thing uh, Wayne Grudem says in here. He basically says, "Look, I'm writing this huge book about all these different topics, and some of them the Bible is totally silent on; doesn't say anything. And so my arguments are all from history or facts." And then some of them, the Bible gives principles. So it's like, here's all these different verses, and here's some principles. And so maybe we can, you know, make an assertion in this direction. And then he says, and then some of them are just direct commands from the Bible. And that's not a lot, but some. And he basically says, we hold on to the first one tight. You know, hey, the Bible says this. We have to do it. Uh, This is what God said. And then the higher up we get, the more open-handed we get. It's like, well, I see these four, five, six, seven verses, and they seem like they're pointing in this direction. It's like, great. We try and apply the Bible as best we can where we are. But we understand that the higher up we get off the Bible, the more inferences that we're making, the more we're reading between the lines, the more humble we have to be about it. And then, so for me here today, um, and in every day, I'm trying to just teach the Bible, just teach exactly what it says, Try not to read between the lines too much um, because, I mean, I don't want to do a show of hands, but I think we can all agree that if somebody's going to figure out, like, all the complexities and, like, of history and all the different statistics of all the different ways we should apply all these different, you know, political things or whatever, it's not going to be me. (laughs) So I don't want to be the one doing it. You know, I'll just say, look, here's what the Bible says, um, and I'm just going to present that. Do your best to apply it where you're at. Um, definitely, you know, use your biblical wisdom and principles to go where you are. But I'm not going to tell you um, all these specific policies, how I think they need to be done or anything like that. I'm just going to say, here's what the Bible says, and let's stick to that um, and walk with humility. And so that's kind of a overview on just teaching in general here from uh, 2.15 but then also kind of a uh, good primer to get into this next section where it says 3.1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work. So let's start here. Let's jump off here, but let's look at these other, all the other passages in the New Testament that 
that kind of relate to this. So let's jump in here um, and read one more passage just right off the bat from Romans 13. That says a very similar thing, but expands on it a little bit. So Romans 13, 1 to 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For the rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Let's read one more passage here, and then we'll kind of um, sift through the implications or direct, what's directly taught here. First Peter 2, 13 to 14. I'll read that one here. First Peter 2, 13 to 14. Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So I think the way to start would be um, just to tease out some of these implications of what this is saying. And I'm leaning on like a, uh, a section here from... Grudem, um, he has a good section here on so, some of these things, what the uh, implications are. So the first thing we can see is that God has appointed the authorities um, that are above us. God is the one who put them there. And that's important to know because he's specifically appealing to the reason we submit because God's the one that put them above us. Um, it's God as the one who has place these leaders there. Even Jesus uh, in his time on earth acknowledged this kind of indirectly when he said to Pilate, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. It's the same idea. It's like God is the one that gave you your authority. Um, and so that's the first thing. The second thing would be that the, the purpose, the goal of a government is to one, uh, the way the Bible says it is terror to bad conduct, so to oppose evil and restrain evil with the threat of punishment. And so there's a lot of other places where this is kind of indirectly talked about, but for the sake of time here today and trying to get through you know, the basics here, uh, I think we can say that that's pretty clear. We want the government to restrain evil, and that, that's one of their jobs. 
The other thing that we don't often think about is that they're also to give approval or praise to those who do good. And I think in the Roman context here, we actually went over this historically when we went through Titus, how they actually would give out awards, like civic awards to honor people, like uh, architects who designed a building or you know a civic building and things like that. So that was something that we actually still do today, like give out Congressional Medal of Honor and all these things. But we don't think about that uh, as like a big part of government. Uh, but it, 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 we still do it, and they did, definitely did it back then, although it looked different. They gave them, I think, those wreaths, you know, like like a like an Olympian would wear one of those garlands or whatever. Um, and so that's another side of it. One other point that is very clear from these passages is that the government officials are there to serve God. It says specifically in Romans 13, he is the servant of God, or authorities are ministers of God. So when we think of government officials or uh, people employed by the government, we should think of them as servants for our good, uh, is the way it's put. Is God's servant for your good? Now this is interesting because, well, let's just begin to kind of apply it to our lives. Is that how we talk about and is that how we think about government officials? There are servants, servants for our good. Um, whether that's high up or whether that's here in Kirksville, whether that is, you know, somebody who is uh, a senator or whether that's somebody who works in some, some office here around town. Do we think about them as this is a servant for my good? And I um, am just speaking from personal experience <laughs> that uh, In our culture, there's a lot of negativity around the government, and I'm sure you hear it. And here's Paul in Rome, right? He's talking about Rome, Roman officials who, you know, think about an axe. Remember when they took him in and they beat him without a trial? You remember that? And he told them, you guys can't do this. You know, like, I'm a Roman citizen, and he's in jail. Um, these weren't the best officials of all time or something like that that he's talking about. He's talking about people who are totally breaking the law. They're literally just breaking the law. You know, it's like, here's the law, and I'm going to beat people. I'm going to imprison people. And, um, and he's speaking about them with respect here, and he's speaking about them as what God ought to have them to do. And he's definitely overlooking a lot um, that if Paul can talk about this, talk like this about Rome and the Roman officials and exhort them, then how much more us, you know, um, that our government compared to Rome, looks um, a lot better. <laughs> and um, we can be thankful, and we want to be respectful in how we talk about and even think about the government. It's not that we can't disagree. Obviously, Paul did in that example. He told him, hey, you guys can't do this. Like, this is wrong. Um, and yet here he is saying, when it's possible, you know, um, submit, you know. And he's speaking really highly of them, overlooking a lot of, a lot of difficulty Another good example that kind of brings this out is Herod. Uh, think about Herod in, in the Bible in early Luke 1 and 2, where Herod is a governor, right, specifically addressed in this. He actually sends soldiers to slaughter a whole town's worth of infants, right? And so Paul is not unaware, you know, of the difficulty, of the evil, but he's still exhorting. This is what a government ought to be. This is the government we're under, and I'm asking you to submit um, and to view them this way, 
And so, again, just highlighting, is that our view? You know, uh, Can we look and see the things we disagree with and then also see all the things that are good and be thankful and to speak in a way that, um, like Paul is here. Um, and so, that's, I think that's really all I have to say on that particular point of governments being our servants for good. This next point is uh, related, but is slightly different, which is that as government officials do what their their job is, they're doing it for our good. So it's not just this is how, not only how we view them, but this is actually what they're doing, that they're doing good to us, that as people pave the roads, uh, as people, civic engineers design the roads, as uh, Government officials pass laws, governing, you know, all, all these things. We can see and be thankful that they're actually doing this for our good, that that person is working for our good. And we have a lot to be thankful for, for sure. Again, uh, doesn't mean that we, don't, we can't think of any of the evil and be upset by it. You know, obviously John the Baptist confronted Herod, right? The specific example I gave, he confronted him and called him out, you know? And so uh, we're not we're not uh, not saying we're unaware of that or we're ignoring that, but we're conscious and cognizant of what God has asked us to do, which is to submit and to show honor where honor is due and to be thankful for all the good things um, that we do have. Okay, one last thing that seems pretty clear here from this, and it's related to one of the other things I already said, but it's slightly different. Not only uh, are governments to uh, discourage evil, they're actually to punish evil. And uh, we could call that retribution, or we could call it, well, what Paul calls it is they don't bear the sword in vain. And this is also them being the servants of God to us, that when the government punishes evil, they're serving us for our good, and we can be thankful for that. It's a difficult task. I mean, well, we got people here that work, right, in the prisons, and it's not easy, but we can say, hey, you know what? I'm really thankful for you. This is a hard job, and you're doing it for us, and I really appreciate that, which I do. <laughs> um, and I really, until I was, like, preparing, I was, wasn't thinking about it like that. And we've got, you know, other people, you know, who are literally <laughs> elected officials. It's like doing hard jobs, not easy jobs. And we can say, I'm really thankful for you. And we are. I think we are. And um, so that's something to think about maybe doing. I mean, we could do it after the message. <laughs> uh, thanks some people. Um, you know, personal experience here, just kind of putting this out there. You know, as a special ed teacher, like, I'm not unaware of, like, difficulties with government laws, right? Like IDEA is, is a law that governs like special ed and it's like a thousand pages, you know, and it's um, very hard to follow. Um, it's just, there's a lot that's hard there. On the other hand, um, we can be very thankful. I'm very thankful that it exists. I would much rather this hard, you know, this difficult and large and cumbersome and clunky and not perfect by any means document uh, I'm glad it exists. I'm really, really glad. And, you know, what really helped me um, 
changed my attitude about my paperwork, which is, is it's a lot, you know, as a, as a, when I was a special ed teacher, um, is I took a class, and one of the classes was on the history, and some of the pictures of the people before any of these laws were passed just kind of, it looked, it looked like the Holocaust. You know, it was like, here, we're just going to put all these people in a facility, throw them in a room, and it, it was really, really bad. And I honestly think it would be indistinguishable. If you, you know, showed a picture of both, I don't think you could pick out which one was which. And um, there was some serious wrong done. And so it's in my mind, you know, I think, like, oh, here's all this paperwork. Some of it is tedious. Some of it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's, there's one where it's like they literally have a star next to the options that aren't illegal. <laughs> it's like, don't, click any, don't select any option except this one, and we'll star it for you. <laughs> it's like, why are all these other options here? It's like, well, because of the law, <laughs> you know. And it's just, it didn't really make sense. Um, but on the other hand, we can be so, so, so thankful that that's so much better that if, you know, I don't know how many thousands of pages of paperwork I did, um, many, 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 many thousands of pages of paperwork. Um, it's worth it to protect one person and to make sure one kid has um, is not neglected. And so just reframing, you know, reframing our thinking to think about not just the negative but all the positive. And there is a lot of positive. Okay. So I think that really kind of hits point by point what's some of the things Peter and Paul in Romans as well as here in Titus are saying, kind of the back, background there, um, what the government is supposed to do. And now how do we, how do we obey this? Well, I think I'm going to start with the uh, exception, okay, rather than the rule. Well, because the rule is, Remind, I'm, gonna, I'm back in Titus here, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, okay? So I'm going to start with the exception. Is that always? And the answer is no, it's not always. Um, there's a lot of examples in the Bible. If the government requires you to do something that God has told you, do not do it, you don't have, you don't have to do that. Um, I'll give you a couple examples here from the Bible. Jesus commanded the Apostles to preach the gospel. And in Acts, they were doing just that. But a governing authority, the Sanhedrin, arrested some of them and commanded them, quote, not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. And you remember what they said back. They said, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We must obey God rather than men. So this is an example. Uh, there's a couple others. Daniel in the lion's den, or... He didn't obey the rule not to pray to God. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down to the idol. Um, and so, there's a couple more, but I think that's sufficient. That if the government directly opposes God and says, "Do this when God, do this or don't do this," when God has said the opposite, then we obey God. Okay, so that's the exception. I'm just going to get that out of the way here. And now move on to what does it mean then to be obedient and ready for every good work? That I think that we should have, this should be our primary disposition towards the government. 
is that we are ready and willing to submit and obey. That our primary disposition shouldn't be looking for exceptions, right? It should be, here's what the Bible says, and as far as it's possible, I'm going to do it. Um, And I'll give you an example. This is kind of indirect, uh, Jesus talking about the government here. But you remember when Jesus says, if anyone forces with you to go, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. You remember what, remember when Jesus said that? Well, at first glance, it doesn't sound like he's talking really about governments there, but he he actually is. Um, that the the word for forces is a very specific word that it's kind of like it's kind of like our word repossess. Okay, it's like the word repossess has a like a definition to have something to re-have something that used to have. But when we hear the word repossess, we immediately think like the legal um, repossession, like somebody has a loan and, and they don't pay it and it gets taken back. And this word is, is like that in, in Greek, that it's specifically talking about this practice where a Roman soldier could compel someone to carry something for a mile. And Jesus is saying, if, somebody, if the Roman soldier comes by and says, you have to carry this for a mile, they had by law to, to carry that. He says, go two miles. And so you see the disposition he's, he's uh, asking of his followers towards government. It's like, is, he's not saying, is this fair? Is this reasonable? Um, is this my right? He's just saying, look, they're asking. And not only should you submit, uh, you, should just, you, could, you should be more than willing to submit and even go beyond, above and beyond uh, what they ask. And this same word, you know, it comes up, when Jesus, someone else has to carry the cross, do you, you remember this, Simon of Cyrene? It uses this very specific word, they compelled him, and it's that legal definition, like they said, you have to carry this. Um, and so we can see this even in the Bible, when he's talking about one mile, um, he's talking about something very specific. Okay, we don't have to do that, right? We don't have to carry anything for a mile. If we're driving down the road, the police don't pull us over and say, hey, carry this bag for me for a mile, or something like that. But the disposition of our heart towards the government should be like that. Should be, I'm ready to submit, not just when it's easy, not just when I think it's, uh, you know, reasonable, like or fair to me, or, um, but when, whenever I have an opportunity, I'm going to submit and I'm going to go above and beyond to do good. And that's what the second half of the verse is really saying: be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, and be ready for every good work. And so. We covered the exception first. Yes, there's times. If the government asks you to do something that God says don't do, you do it. But in general, this is our disposition is you're out for my good. God has put you here, and I want to submit where it's possible. And I want to even go above and beyond. Um, I don't know what that looks like. And today, exactly, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, send in an extra dollar on your taxes or something like that. (laughs) Go above and beyond. Uh, I don't know how that looks. But... I think we could all for sure say we want to have that disposition of heart towards the government. Um, we could say it this way. This would be the negative way to say what we don't want to be. We don't want to be known for stubbornly demanding our rights, but rather by going above and beyond to serve and submit in the areas we can. So that that would be the negative way to say what we don't want to be. We don't want to be the people that always dig in our heels, um, whether that's, you know, it's quite a large 
statement here, rulers and authorities. And he specifically, in, in the other passages we saw, is saying that's not just the emperor. That goes all the way down to his delegated uh, authority. And so let's be ready to submit where we can. Um, there's many things that we're asked to do that we might not think are great and reasonable and fair. But we could think about um, if Jesus asked somebody to carry a cross or to, you know, to stop whatever they're doing, wherever they are, whatever, wherever they're going, and just drop what they're doing and carry this heavy burden for not just one mile but two miles, surely I can you know, fill out this paperwork that the government has asked me to fill out with a good attitude. You know, things like that. Um, sit in line at the DMV, you know, uh, you know, all these things where it's like, yeah, um, I know my heart can be like, man, I just don't like, <laughs> I don't like being here. I don't, I wish this was different, you know, but it's like, I'm thankful, you know, and I want to reframe my thinking and to think specifically on the positives. I'm thankful that we have to have a license to drive. <laughs> That's a really, really good thing. And if the cost of that for me is, you know, whatever it is, $26 and 30 minutes or an hour sitting there, that's worth it for sure. Um, okay, so that's that's the biblical uh, disposition. Okay, that's what God is asking us here in Titus three to be ready to be obedient. I'll give you an example from history, a positive example. Um, so back in the 1500s in France, there was this group called the Huguenots. I think I've told you about them before. Um, they were Reformed uh, or Calvinistic, and uh, they were Protestants. And in 1572, the Queen Catherine de Medici asked her son, basically, "Let's let's pass a law." It actually sounds a lot like, um, you know, Daniel and, and these things or Esther. Let's pass a law that anybody can um, kill these people. And they did. Uh, she convinced him. And we don't know exactly how many people died, but. There's quite a large range. Uh, some say they call it the St. Bar- Bartholomew's Day Massacre. And some, the range is quite large, but in the ten to 30,000 people range um, were killed, Protestants, over the course of several weeks. Uh, one estimate said even just in Paris alone, ten to 15,000. And the reason I bring them up is, you know, reading in the history on this, um, the Netherlands and some of these other places got a lot of refugees basically leaving France and um, were really enriched because some of the best citizens uh, left. They persecuted some of their best citizens. A lot of their tradesmen, uh, a lot of hardworking, a lot of these people by, by and large were hardworking tradesmen with skills like weaving or, or things like that. And as they left uh these other countries really benefited, and France really suffered historically over the next hundred years, say the historians, um, because of this. It's like, that's what we want to be. We want to be the best citizens, right? We want to be, um, if we're persecuted, uh, it's like, wow. We want the government to see, wow, we're hurting our best citizens. We're hurting our um, most faithful um, workers and taxpayers and people that are really doing good for our society. And that's really what happened there, and that's what we want it to be like for us. Um, we don't want the government to think, wow, I'm glad we got those, those uh, let's, all these you know, stubborn people, we're going to get them or something like that. It's like we want to be all these uh, hardworking uh, 
good, uh, submissive people. Um, it's pretty amazing to me the testimony of the Christians there that these secular historians are looking back at the history of this country and saying, wow, these Christians were actually really, really good people and this really hurt France. Lost people are saying that. That's, that's a pretty amazing testimony. Um, and so that's just an encouragement. Um, in every way. I mean, this, there's so many ways this applies. Taxes obviously are specifically brought up in, in um, Romans 13. Um, there's so many more. Okay, That's kind of the overview. Now, I want to focus in for the rest of the time on the specific ready for every good work. Okay, and I'm going to apply this specifically since we're talking about like government and uh, rulers and authorities today. I'm going to kind of focus in on that. But what is the way that we can be ready for good? And there's some things in the Bible that we're commanded to do. So I think there's a lot of ways we could do good, but first let's start with the ones that are actually flat out, you know, commanded, you know, um, for everyone. So the first is pray for our leaders and pray for peace. 1 Timothy 2, 1-3. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, specifically for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. First thing, pray. Okay? And I'll just ask it this way. Is this something that, is this a command we're following? Uh, Whether that's as a church or whether that's as individuals or families, God has asked us to pray, to pray for our leaders and to pray for peace, both. Um, it's good and pleasing in the sight of God to have peace and have, to pray for, pray for our leaders. I'm going to combine this point with another one. Okay, this, this is not, this particular passage is not directly um, talking about governments, but I'm going to apply it to governments. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So, we're commanded not to be anxious, but to pray and to be thankful. And specifically, we're supposed to pray for rulers and authorities. And so, this, you know, I'm basing this point off of a lot of different conversations. You know, many, actually, just in the last couple of weeks, many different people have said to me something about, you know, like the amount of news or political stuff they listen to and um, thinking, like, is it too much and things like that. And I would just ask this, you know, our culture, it seems like more and more is getting more and more, um, we're, we're taking this in more. Not every person, but I think the trend seems to be. Um, more and more informed, more and more um, content. And my question to you would be, are you anxious? And are you prayerful? Because um, that could be a good way to gauge. You know, it's like, well, the Bible doesn't tell us how much to listen to politics or how, how much, you know, to do any of these things. But it does tell us we're not supposed to be, give, you know, given over to anxiety and that we are supposed to be praying. And so you could definitely say, um, well, I listen to, you know, the news all the time. 
I'm anxious and worried and fretful most days, and I pray very little. You could say, well, that doesn't seem to fit this picture, right? The picture seems that um, there's prayer that's important. We prioritize it, and we're thankful, and that leads to peace, um, that we can trust the Lord. So, you know, there's not, there's not a rule there. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us a you know, number of minutes you should be watching the news a day or anything like that. But it does give us this attitude of heart that we should have towards our leaders and towards government. And that we should be prayerful, prayerful people. Uh, we could say the same thing maybe about anger. Uh, Psalm 37 says, Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. So here the psalmist is saying, you know, there's difficult things going on all over the world and in our country. Are we angry? Um, or are we waiting on the Lord? And are we giving those things over to him? When, um, is it something that is bubbling up, is, is in our heart, or is it something we're continually passing on to God? God, uh, you, you, you see this, you care about this, I'm, I'm handing it over to you. Okay, so the first thing, would positive thing would be pray. Um, negatively, we don't want to, we don't want this to consume our mind and our anxiety, and it makes us anxious and angry. Um, we want to give those things to God, and that's one thing God's commanding of us. One more thing, and this is a, just a, this is an Old Testament summary really of this thing of seek to do good. It's from Jeremiah twenty nine seven. This was when they were going into Babylon. This is what God commands them. Seek the welfare of the city where you, where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So you see both of these pieces. It hits the prayer part, but it's also saying specifically, seek its welfare, which I think is definitely praying, but it's also outwardly doing good. Um, and so I was thinking over this passage, and I was thinking, okay, as a church, are we... Um, you know, outwardly seeking to do good by our city. And I think we are definitely, you know, as individuals, um, you know, even like the youth going around and, and doing service projects, like that's awesome. Uh, there's so many ways that we can be thankful, but we can also say, uh, let's press on. Is there any more, you know? Is there any more we could do? Um, is there anything God wants us to do that we're not doing? And... One kind of an encouragement to me, I was thinking about my time again back when I was teaching. Um, there's the church, Life Church, that as you come out, Potter, they're on the right in that strip mall. They would call the school and say, hey, uh, do you need any reading volunteers for your reading groups? Uh, we'd like to fill those spots. And they would, which was really big at the elementary school, big blessing to have somebody just literally just sit there and it would keep the kid focused, you know, it's like if they stopped reading and started looking around, the person could say, like, keep going, you know, whatever. That's basically all they had to do, but it was a real blessing. And then um, not only that, they had this, um, every Monday through Thursday, they had a tutoring group at the government um, housing units where they would, people would go, and they would have tutoring every night there, and they would also share the gospel with the kids, which was, which was a real testimony. Um, I had students that greatly benefited from having someone just, there to help them with their homework, um, and also 
an open door for me to share the gospel because they would, uh, you know, I'd ask them, hey, you know, how did it go at tutoring? And did you get your homework done? Oh, yes. And did they talk to you about anything else? You know, and they would talk about God and, you know, awesome opportunity there. And so all that is to say, that's just one example that encouraged my heart and we can be thankful for. It's like, wow, I'm thankful. Uh, it's like, it's a good testimony. And I'm not saying we have to do those things. That's just one example of something that encouraged me and really impacted me personally. Um, and so I just called the pastor over there, and I had never thought to do this until reading through these. But um, just called the pastor over there and told him, hey, this is how it impacted me when I was a teacher, and thank you for doing that. And I really saw an impact in at least one of my students, and some of them I don't know for sure if they ever went. But anyways, um, just another example, things we can be thankful for, thankful that it's, we're not alone here in, in Kirksville. Um, it's not just us. There's people seeking to honor God and to do good, and we want to we want to do that as well, every area we can and prayerfully. All right. Well, just in closing, um, all these things. What, why do we talk about this? Well, one, we're just trying to teach the Bible. <laughs> just this is the next verse uh, that we happen to be covering here, and then two. We want to honor the Lord, right? We want to, because of what Christ has done in us, um, go out and live in a way that's a testimony, that adorns the gospel in how we act. And just like we talked about with the individuals, you know, are we adorning the gospel in the way we talk to the DMV ladies, you know, uh, in the way that we um, act towards, you know, rulers and authorities? Are we adorning the gospel or are we um, a bad testimony? And so we want to be a good testimony. And in all these ways, we definitely want to follow everything God has said. We want to pray. We want to submit. We want to try and do good. We want to uh, be thankful. So we're looking to the Lord for help and trusting and knowing that he will help us, that he wants to help us. That's why he gave us his spirit is so that we could adorn the gospel. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity and the challenge that it is to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Spirit. Um, pray you would help us in all these ways to honor you, to be a good testimony. Thank you for all the ways people are serving and people are um, a good testimony out in the community. Pray that we could be more and more uh, doing good to our community. Um, just pray you give us wisdom on how to do that, what's the best way. Pray you give us wisdom in all our interactions uh, with the government, with government officials, we pray you give us wisdom on um, our attitude, our actions, our thoughts. Um, we're looking to you for help. We do want to honor you. We do thank you for the government. We're so thankful uh, for the peace we have. Uh, like we think about Nigeria, pray for those families and communities, persecuted communities, have mercy on them. And thank you for our uh, relative peace here. We're very thankful. Uh, pray that we pray for the kings and rulers all over the world, um, as well as presidents and senators and everyone. We pray there would be peace. We don't want uh, war. We want people to live peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. And so we're asking you, Lord, have mercy uh, in the Middle East. Have mercy in Europe and with Russia. Have mercy here with us. Uh, have mercy on us. I pray you'd... Um, 
restrain evil, and you'd help our leaders um, have wisdom, and even when they make bad decisions, uh, that you would just um, be hedge, uh, even softening the blow on, on those things. Um, we pray that you, that you might even save them, and we would be thrilled to see um, government officials converted and lights. Uh, we think about Nebuchadnezzar and how it seems like you really saved him out of his sin, and we pray that we would certainly glorify you if we could see that happen, a radical change in, in, a, in a person's life that's so visible to the world. Um, you're able. You've done it before, and so we're just asking. You said we could ask whatever we wish, and we do. We pray you'd save not just one but many um, government officials. And we do pray that you'd put people in like Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that could be a light and um, wise decision makers and um, glorify you in the government. We pray you'd, you'd do that. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.